We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Basketball podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Roto Hoops when you deposit for a free contest entry today. And the day, of course, is Friday, February 5th, 2016. We have the three amigos back in studio again. Shannon's here in studio with me. And of course, I'm DJ Trainer. But out in Vermont, we have Ken K Train Kreitz. Hey, welcome, gentlemen. Good to Happy be Friday. Happy Friday. Indeed. This podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You can also find it on the Rotowire website directly itself. Shannon, before we um, hit record here, we were talking about DFS last night. Uh, in general, how did it go for you? It was a tough night. Um, on every site I play on, I was about a point and a half out of the money. Um, we had a Rotowire event last night, a group bowling session. I had my basketball game at, at the time you guys started bowling, so I met you afterwards. And when I arrived at the bowling alley, I was like top 15 in in multiple tournaments and looking like it was going to be a really good night. Um, but by the time I went to bed, I dropped out of the money by a point and a half, which is always the toughest. I knew I was going to drop, but... 
to fall that low um, or fall that close to the money is tough. I, I got Norris Cold. Yeah. Norris Cole. I hate Norris Cole. It is amazing. We had, you know, like 30 people, I think, bowling last night, and a lot of us play DFS basketball. Of course, you and me play almost every day. And the amount of times you just heard Norris Cole said last night with anguish was was pretty high. <laughs> pretty high. Uh, luckily, I fared all right last night because I was I, I had a couple of head-to-heads where the opposing person had Norris Cole. So it actually turned out in my favor. But, um, yeah, happy happy to uh, happy to chat about getting Norris Cole. I had, I had Robin Lopez everywhere. He scored, like, 50 fantasy points. He was only 15% owned, which is pretty low for a four-game slate. I mean, I when I saw how well he finished, I was like, all right, this is golden. I'm going to win some money. Like, my entire lineup was based on, if Robin Lopez has a monster night, I'm going to do really well. It happened, and I still didn't do really well. If you had well, a ba- back, back to Cole, though, you, you can't blame him for trying. I mean, he hoisted up 10 shots in 13 minutes. Of course, he only made one and grabbed some pine quickly as well. He should have, but uh, at least he was trying. I've pretty much avoided Norris Cole this entire time. You know, you got Tyreek Evans out, Eric Gordon out. Um, they traded Ish Smith, and Norris Cole has see, seen his role expand, and he's been really good. I mean, five of the past six games or so, he's he's been around 30 fantasy points, so he's been a good performer. He's still in, still on discount on most sites, but I've pretty much avoided him until last night, and it just... That's what always happens. It's like uh, Archie Goodwin, another guy mm-hmm. who he had one stinker last week. And, and I, I've been on Archie Goodwin more than Cole, but I was heavily invested in him that night he had the one stinker. I, I, that's, that's just my luck. That's what seems to happen every time. Yeah, so last night it was kind of the battle of the valuable or the um, good price point guards, Archie Goodwin, Norris Cole, and Pat Beverly. I think you could even throw in that mix. And it sounds like you went Cole pretty much everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. On DraftKings, I actually went to D'Angelo Russell because he was cheaper. Um, did better in Cole, but still only ended up with fan- 20 fancy points. I feel like Archie Goodwin is exhibit A, why I like how DraftKings includes turnovers uh, as a stat. <laughs> and I always think season-long league should always have turnovers as a category. No, no. That's... See, no. I'm, I'm going to take the other side of that. Uh, the reason why... Ooh. The reason why is because you look at the top 50, top 100 fantasy players, those are the guys who lead the league in turnovers. You're penalizing for drafting better players. Turnovers no, you've got to encourage fundamentally sound play, and those guys get well enough stats in all the other categories where you shouldn't worry about their turnovers. But if you get it, you know, one of the great things about Chris Paul is he does produce great stats with fewer turnovers per assist relative to most other point guards. Having turnovers in basketball would be like having strikeouts for hitters in baseball. I it's believe a, it's a, no, it's a negative category. <laughs> it's a negative stat. You shouldn't have negative stats. It's about oh, stat Ted building. Williams frozen head is rolling over in its cryogenic chamber as you claim that strikeouts don't mean anything no listen i i hate turnovers as someone who watches basketball or plays basketball uh the rec league rule is the first rule is don't turn the ball over yeah and the second yeah. rule is play defense yeah. third rule is rebound that's it nothing else matters in rec league basketball right. i believe I, I believe in like fundamental basketball but for fantasy purposes no no it's a negative stat and it takes away value from all of the players who are valuable your brother and i always argued over this yeah, I think it's really interesting, and that maybe that's why I'm in this Friday pod to mediate. Settle this, this argument. Yeah. 
I'll say this. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll go two ways about it. Um, one, I do agree that you get somewhat penalized for having guys that have high usage rates, and if essentially what you're looking for in fantasy is people who have high usage rates because minutes played is the most important stat in fantasy. It doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. However, it does lend itself to some weird strategies where I found myself in head-to-head competitions resting half of my lineup and just playing three guys even though I had you know nine players to choose from because I was trying to win turnovers or that was the only category still in contention. So, And to me, it, it, it takes away from the spirit of, of fantasy in general and just picking a squad and letting them go at it. Right. Um, but I don't know. It, that's why uh, leagues are customizable. And I hate I hate head-to-head situations. Like if you're in the head-to-head playoffs and you're in a situation like that, you, I think it's boring, it's lame to bench all but two of your players or whatever it may be because you need to win that one category. So wow, I hate that. So here's the thing, though, is most, that you end up with... Don't have the, most leagues don't have the daily moves like that. You know, you wouldn't do that. You know, if you've got eight other categories to worry about, you can't bench guys for the whole week I don't, just to win turnovers. I think that's a generational thing um, as far as most leagues don't have the daily moves like that. Because as someone in my generation, I feel like we grew up in, I mean, I started playing fantasy right before Yahoo and ESPN and like the online boom happened. So my first football leagues were, you know, I would go to the commissioner's house every Monday um, or actually every Tuesday and pick up the updated football stand from him which he put together you know off the newspaper but it was only probably a couple years later that yahoo and espn started getting bigger and started running their fans yahoo in particular would run their fantasy leagues and every every year until i started working at rotowire nine ten years ago i did daily daily moves all the time my hometown leagues are all still daily moves um anyone who grew up playing on yahoo espn i feel like that's probably the case i think that might be the standard setting on those sites yeah it is i know it is for espn that's kind of when i first got into fantasy it was daily and it consumed me as you know a college freshman where i I, like literally had to put a block on my computer to stay away from just you know having a flyer spot i would i would pick up guys all the time Uh, but that's part of the fun that's part of the fun I tell you what, if you if you agree with Shannon, tweet at him at Roto Shannon, hashtag no turnovers. If you agree with Ken Kreitz, tweet at him at Ken Kreitz, hashtag turnovers rule. That's the first uh, Twitter feedback that we're going to request. We have multiple things that we want to go over. And um, if you don't care, tweet at me at Trainer DJ. <laughs> and, and, uh, hashtag two way. <laughs> hashtag two way. <laughs> and on on your Twitter, DJ, do you have a nice profile pic of yourself? My profile pic is of a picture of a TV of me on NBA TV with one Jared Greenberg right now. Okay. Nice nice little headshot of you, face shot of you. Okay. Then the the other Twitter feedback we're asking is, is DJ a redhead? Is ginger offensive? Are we allowed to say ginger? Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm not. I'm not a ginger, so I wouldn't know. Okay. Okay. I would. I will say the uh, the picture on my Twitter would suggest that my hair is definitely red. But if you're looking at me right now, do you think it's red? I do. Yes. Oh. All right. Okay. Ken, do you have a hot take on this? It's not hot. No. But uh, I'll go red. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not fighting it. I guess I have a cousin that has blaze red strawberry hair. Strawberry blonde. So I'm going with strawberry blonde. Okay. Strawberry, strawberry. Strawberry, strawberry. Yeah. I think that my hair color is, is just dull. 
you know. I'm doing everything I can not to say something inappropriate. <laughs> no, no, that takes the fun out of it. <laughs> Bite your tongue over there. All right, let's talk about something. Oh, you're moving along? That's all, that's all you got on it? Yeah. Well, you, this is why I'm here, by the way, is to move this pot along. Oh. So, <laughs> more so than anything. So, moving along, you're going to like this I next so much. I, I had so much redhead, redhead talking. Right, me rapid on. fire, go. Right. Spit them out, all the jokes. You got 10 seconds. Well, I, I mean, one, I want, I want you to tell the story about how this is been up for debate your entire life like okay you've been struggling with the the ginger tag your right. entire life all right and, Quick. and when the pot ends shannon since i'm not in the room you're gonna have to find out if the carpet matches the drapes all right oh my god <laughs> <laughs> hello dj's grandmother this never happens when i'm on with josh and nick okay uh quick story about my hair color then we're actually going to talk about basketball here um in sixth grade we did a little test you know stand up if you have red hair stand up if you have blonde hair i stood up when they said blonde half the class said you got to sit down man you don't have blonde hair <laughs> other half said no and the, the worst part about it is the teacher was entrenched with this debate and so she wasn't helping mediate anything or move the class along she was like on the red side of and, course you know and uh you know i was just trying to get a's and i just did what the teacher wants so i think uh starting sixth grade i officially had red hair because she thought like i did whatever got her to her outside smoking break faster yeah. that's all she cared about <laughs> I, I've I've been interested God, I, in the red I've been interested in the redhead talk. My my wife and I were talking about the baby. We're like, what's the baby gonna look like? What color hair is she gonna have? And like, I, I debated. Well, since she's a woman, it's okay if she has red hair because redheaded women can be rather attractive. And now my wife never admit to being I, attracted to anything. I know, I know. <laughs> if you don't know, uh, lovely Miss Katie has black hair, right? Dark hair. Dark. Yeah. Dark I guess dark, it's it's brown. It's brown. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I, I know. I can. You're right. I can't admit. I, I mean, I've admitted redheads. Um, every, well, I'm attracted to every kind of woman. And I've admitted, every, I mean, every variation of a woman. <laughs> and I've admitted to. I've, I've, like, I've, like, even a low pulse, you're like, that's right. pretty attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We are moving on. We're talking oh. about the Pistons. Let's go. I have to shut you guys off. Come on. Somebody has to be all professional right, around here. All right, yeah. But this is all right. This is a topic that you can get into, Shannon. So, so no. who is your favorite redheaded basketball player? Uh, See, this is basketball-related. Yeah, Brian Johnny Red Kerr. All right. Bulls legend, announcer, and coach. Sadly, Kelly Trapuca does not have red hair, so I have no idea who to answer here. <laughs> Last night, the Pistons <laughs> blow a lead, but they hold on late. Shannon, your boy, Stanley Johnson, really came on. He started in place of Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. Good showing out of him. Um, how long before he overtakes anyone for that starting lineup? Is it going to happen at any point this year, or is Stan Van Gundy standing pat with his starting five? I would be extremely surprised if it happens this year. Uh, it's not because Kate, uh, Stanley Johnson's not good enough to start. I think he proved that last night. He's proved that with his play off the bench for most of the season. The problem is KCP's been playing really well. Um, Marcus Morris has been playing well. Ilya Silva is the guy who, like, maybe he could move to the bench, and there's actually been some whispers of that, but then then you're going extremely small. I mean, you're gonna, who, who are you going to play at power forward? Morris? And right. then, well, the thing is, Stan loves, uh, you know, stretch stretch force, and I think Ursan perfectly fits that bill. He does. He does. Two of five from beyond the arc. Even if he's not making it, you still have to respect him out there, stretch out the defense, and there's nobody coming off the bench. I mean, Anthony Tolliver, who also shoots threes otherwise, but I, I, that's, I mean, if anything, that's a lateral move, um, but probably a step down. And I, Stanley Johnson, he's, he looks great. He's still... 
Like he had a great game, 22 points, nine rebounds, five assists. The five assists might might actually surprise people, but he's a pretty good playmaker. And whenever he comes off the bench, he's got he's got the ball in his hands quite a bit. Um, he's still a little bit raw though, and and what I mean by raw is. He, he's prone to make mistakes or you know not necessarily like turnovers but he'll he'll just take ill-advised shots or he'll he'll force shots force try to force it to the lane and take a bad attempt um and that's where i think there's a learning curve that's still going to exist so you'll have games where he has a monster outing like he did in place of uh, kcp last night uh but there's gonna be bumps along the way and that's why i think they'll probably continue to take you know have him come off the bench and hopefully next year midway through next season he develops into what we saw on thursday well and speaking of rookies uh making rookie mistakes and uh having up and down nights how worried are we about the zinger i mean the unicorn bad night against uh, at home against boston um, didn't get a lot of minutes and looked even worse in that Pistons game. Two of nine, only five points, no blocks. Uh, actually, you know, is Johnson maybe surpassed Zinger for the rest of the season? What do we think? No, 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 I don't think so. Um, I would say this. He's admitted, which is very nice, by the way, that he's hit a rookie wall. Um, not physically. He's not quite to the point where he needs to be, but we're still putting this onus on him like he's one of the best rookies. But in reality, um, in any ideal situation, I think you have rookies coming off the bench. And so you limit their their wear and tear and whatnot. Um, I think it's great that Stanley Johnson is coming off the bench. I think that that makes sense. And so if you want to relate it to the NFL, you know, quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers come sit for two years learn about the league the equivalent to that in the NBA is coming off the bench so like Frank Kaminsky is doing that currently I think it just makes a lot of sense outside of your top three picks because if you're a top three pick you probably should start right away um Zingers you know it's just they don't they only play 30 games a year in Europe they don't play that much and so he's just not used to this he's going to come along just fine I'm not worried about his long-term potential whatsoever a couple a couple more thoughts on both those players um with Stanley John and when the Pistons selected him, um, I couldn't believe that they passed up Justice Winslow. I was I was really upset about it. Um, I gave Benny Riccardi a hard time about it on Twitter because he he told me that Stanley Johnson was the better pick. Um, at this point, I agree. After seeing them both play for forty five games or so. I like Stanley Johnson a lot more. On offense? I think Winslow's better on defense. <clears throat> Johnson's better on offense. That's true, but the, the I don't Johnson's actually good at defense too. He's a very physical player. Um, he can guard the two or the three. I I don't like him as much as Winslow on defensive end, but I think the the Johnson's gain on the offensive end is larger than what Winslow has on the defensive end. That's an interesting. Oh, go ahead, Ken. There was a Harry Carey moment during the uh, what was it Wednesday's Red uh, Celtics Pistons game where the Celtics uh, beat the Pistons, where uh, Hall of Fame legend Tommy Heinsohn just goes, "Oh, look at the body on that Stanley Johnson." Mm." It is an impressive body. (laughs) It is. Mike Gorman just was like, "I'll just let that awkward pause go for a little while." (laughs) Look at the body on that Stanley Johnson. 
I'll say this. I think that the Pistons are in need of shooters, and so Stanley Johnson is is kind of we're seeing his offensive game. If Winslow was on this team, I think he'd flash some of his offensive prowess too, but he doesn't necessarily need to do that on a Miami team that has lots of shooters. And so we're talking about Dwayne Wade, who's going to jack up the ball all the time, Lou Aldang. I mean, even Gerald Green is prone to jacking up shots. And so I don't think Winslow – I think Winslow is kind of just biding his time, and he's in that category for a Jimmy Butler type of career right now. First couple seasons, lay low, play solid defense, get big minutes, and then when his time comes, and when his time comes will be essentially when Wade leaves, he'll show us what he has on offense. Well, hopefully the, KC, the KCP groin injury, they're going to keep him out past the, you know, at least through the All-Star game. Hopefully it's not worse than that. That might force Johnson to get more minutes than they want. Well, um, yeah, Johnson's going to get heavy, heavy minutes for until the All-Star break, and it makes him a great DFS play. Um, maybe a, a short-term pickup in, in season-long leagues. Um, I need to take exception to your Miami offense. Miami's offense is not as good as Detroit's offense, just so you know. Well, I agree, but the the personnel themselves, I think it lends more so. Five years ago, that personnel was better. To defend Detroit. Well, just shot attempts, not actually output. They have more wing options in Miami. I would... You know, I'd certainly take Reggie Jack. Right now, I'd take Jackson over Goran Dragic at the point. And certainly, you take Drummond over Whiteside offensively at center. But as far as wings go, it seems like there's a few more options in Miami. I'm crazy. I'll I'll take Morris Johnson and KCP over Wade Dang and Gerald Green. Well, no, I agree. But I'm talking about... In terms of Winslow edging his way into even getting looks and attempts, um, you know, it's just not going to happen on the Heat team. But I agree that the Pistons are better. If okay. that makes sense. All right. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to hear those words. Um, with, <laughs> let's keep it moving, though. We, we've got a lot to talk about. We need to keep it moving here. Markeith Morris, he's back in the lineup. He's starting. Um, showcasing. Yeah, he's showcasing. He's doing very well. Uh, what I have for you guys, and we'll start with you, Ken, is he somebody that you're targeting on waiver wires in your leagues right now? Um, well, you know, I love to just follow terrible teams, which the Suns cl- are, are certainly qualify for because they're going to have to make drastic moves. But, I mean, you, if you got bench room, it's worth finding out where he winds up. I, I can't imagine the Suns keep him. Well, here's here's why they would keep him, because he's not going to make more than eight point five million dollars over the next four years, and oh, with the right. cap the on the rise, contract. the twins contract, the twins signed low to stay together. Yep, exactly. So everyone thinks he's out the door, but now that. Hornacek is gone. That might have been the root of all the problem. We don't really truly know, you know, what you know what the animosity was there. It might have just been Hornacek and Morris. It might not have been the whole organization. I know it seems like it was, but I tell you what, he's in the starting lineup. He's played well the last couple of games since he's done that. He has such a uh, franchise-friendly contract that if he continues this output, that I I think he's trade his brother. Hornacek did not trade his brother. You know what I mean? Well, I, well, regardless, I mean, time heals all wounds, and his box score right now is proving that, you know, he's doing good things for the Suns. Yeah, I think I actually think the way Hornacek handled Morris this year, um, no, it's not Hornacek's fault that his brother was traded, but the way Hornacek handled Morris this year is one of the reasons why Hornacek got fired. Um, you have this valuable, this guy who is considered a value piece, valuable piece of franchise, and he's playing like 20 minutes a game, coming off the bench, playing like crap. Earl Watson has already came in. It came, you know, since he came in, has said 
that Markeith Morris is an important part of the, part of the team, going to be one of the focal points on offense. That has that has been the case since Morris has, has worked his way back into the starting rotation, and. If if he's available in your league, you absolutely have to pick him up. Yeah. Over in the past week, he's top seventy fantasy player. He's averaging sixteen points, six rebounds, almost three combined steals and blocks. There's no way. I mean, there's very few leagues um, that he would be available in. He's he's currently owned on Yahoo in sixty five percent of leagues. If you're in one of those thirty five percent leagues, I don't care if it's an eight or ten team league. I'm picking him up. Yeah, I agree. He helps you across the board. And so since he's moved into the starting lineup, he's averaging 22 points, eight rebounds, four assists, half a steal, 1.5 blocks, and a full three-pointer. So, I mean, he just helps you out in too many places. I think he's he's worthy. And I, I don't know. I, I just don't see why what intent the Suns would have to trade him um, at this point. When they were unhappy, or when he was unhappy, not playing well, and Hornacek was coach, I, I understood yeah, it. I agree. But yeah. at this point, it's like turn, th- that page has been turned. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't. I don't think they should trade him now. You're selling low. I don't think they would get re, the value would be comparable in return. So keep them. Great contract. Decent production. Yeah. So Ken, let me ask you this: If you're looking at the entire Suns roster here, in terms of season-long leagues, who's the most valuable fantasy asset on this Suns roster moving forward this season? Hmm. Well, that's a fair question, and Morris has to be in the running if he stays. I think so. Minutes that uh, you guys just referenced with Morris, but uh, I don't know. Devin Booker, uh, if you you know, I think it all depends on what you need. And Booker's threes look awfully appealing. If you're not in a turnover league, Archie Goodwin's uh, last few games have been pretty hot. I I have. I mean, obviously, if Eric Bledsoe were healthy, he would be the answer. Um, he's wow. out for the year. Um, we're forgetting about Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight's probably going to return after the All-Star break. If he returns and plays, he's the number one option. Number two for me is Markeith Morris for this season, and then Devin Booker. Booker is actually, he might be my answer if we're talking about who's the Suns' most long-term valuable asset. I It's weird to say this because I wasn't high on Booker before the season started, um, but I think it's Booker now, even maybe more so than Bledsoe. Um, the team's just fallen so quickly that the, the long-term uh, uncertainty of them makes the younger guy who's cheaper the more valuable asset than even Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, good breakdown there, guys. I want to talk about this Toronto Raptors-Portland Trailblazers game. Now, these two teams are essentially point guards and shooting guards, and that's it. The rest of the team hasn't really helped them out whatsoever. I'm not sure why the Raptors are so good with that dynamic, but they just are. If you look at this box score, that certainly was proven last night as well. Kyle Lowry and DeRozan combined for 59 points, and then if you look across the way, um, Lillard and McCollum, 27 and 21, respectively, 27 for Damian Lillard. In DFS last night, did you target this guard-guard matchup where Toronto is actually pretty good at guarding guards, but uh, Portland themselves is not? So, you know, 59 points coming from Lowry and DeRozan wasn't a surprise to me, and I had that duo in every single lineup that I had last night. I unfortunately avoided uh, this game. Really? Yeah, it was mainly because I I was worried about 
Toronto's defense. So Willard and McCollum like them on most nights, especially when they've got a good matchup. But I didn't like I didn't like the matchup from the you know the standpoint that Toronto plays good D against opposing guards. Um, also, the price point for all these players was tough for me. Um, all of DeRozan, Lowry, those guys are really expensive, and I just didn't find room for them in my lineups. Um, obviously, in hindsight, I made a huge mistake there. We need a nickname for Lowry DeRozan. Two of them are carrying the squad clearly up north. Maybe the lowdown? I don't know. Mull this over, gentlemen. Interesting. Yeah, they don't. They. I mean, they, they don't. Obviously, they don't have a name as prolific as Splash Bros. They right. should though. They need something. They're they quite something. the tandem. Lowdown not work for you? Where are you getting down oh. from? Uh, Demar D Rosen. Oh, okay. Low from Lowry, but you know, not that fun. Something. The lowdown's okay. It's not a bad one. Um, I can't come up with anything better than that off the top of my head. Uh, they do need a nickname. It's an extremely interesting dynamic. And, like, if you just look at NBA teams on paper and you look at what the Toronto Raptors have, it's pretty amazing that they are 34 and 16 and, like, challenging for the number one seed in the East. <laughs> it's uh, all the back. It is all that backcourt. All and, of it. And I, I, you know, I have badmouthed DeRozan for years. But, you know, he just keeps incrementally adding to his game. He's kind of hitting a – he's now consistently hitting one three a night at least. It's about carrying that team. So I, I did some quick uh, Google fingers here, found a Reddit thread with a nickname that I love a whole lot, but apparently this was already brought up to the two and they didn't like it, the Northern Lights. I like that. Yeah. I, li- I like that too. But uh, Kyle Lowry's response was, um, "I'm from Philly, so no." Right. right. And then Demar Rose, Demar Derozan said, "Oh hell nah." So uh, I guess they don't like it. Um, but you don't you don't get to pick your own nickname. So Northern Lights, I like it. Um, moving along here, gentlemen. Manu Ginobili um, suffered that kind of groin area injury, had to have surgery yesterday, supposed to be out a month. Um, every man's worst nightmare, undoubtedly. Uh, testicular injury. Yes. Testicular injury. Come on, you can say it. Oh, it's okay. I, didn't know it was, ooh. I knew you guys were going to like go over on saying testicular, so I thought <laughs> I would start it out with groin and let you guys get the ball don't, rolling. Don't get testy me. about this, DJ. Okay? Oh, uh, well played. No, wait a minute. DJ's too young for this, but... Testicular? Me, no, Shannon, I know that word. Can you tell me? No. <laughs> no, this quote I'm about to say. Do you know, Shannon, where this comes from? Groin injury. I don't. No. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. When, the, when Sam Malone's, the Sam Malone character was briefly uh, filling in to do local sports in the Boston uh, local news station, and he always had to come up with an editorial, and his third show, he did a rap about groin injuries. Nice. I watched a lot of Cheers growing up, but I don't. I don't remember that. We are Netflixing Cheers with the kids, and nice. that episode was just on. I've been saying that for years, and even I forgot where it came from. And then, then we finally saw it. I episode. mean, if you're going with '80s sitcoms and, and you know showing them to the kids, I guess it's at this at this stage, it's better to go with Cheers than the Cosby Show. <laughs> yes, the better they learn to go to a bar every night than a drug. drug yes, <laughs> nice wholesome show. Going to a bar every single night. Um, all right, so uh, we're going to give some DFS picks like we always do on this Friday for the Friday slate. Before we do that, we talk a little trade rumors because the deadline is fast approaching. The first of which we're going to kick it back to the Pistons because I think this guy 
has widely been known as as one of the more movable pieces in the NBA because of Reggie Jackson's contract. And of course, I'm talking about Brandon Jennings and Shannon. I'll go ahead and let you set this up. Um, what do you hope to get in return from Brandon Jennings? It sounds like there's a couple media reports out there. Uh, honestly, as a Pistons fan, I would be fine getting anything in return i wouldn't even expect um a return that would be necessarily helpful for this year if it were like a protected lottery or a protected um, draft pick that ends up falling like in the 20 to 30 range i would be thrilled that they got that um but i don't the rumor the latest rumor is jennings for thad young which to me would be amazing i i can't I can't believe that that would even be possible. I think that's way too much to get in return for Jennings. But on top of uh, that being the rumor, it's also stated that the Pistons want more than just that young for what? Jennings. Well, that's crazy. I agree. I agree. It's crazy. If they're if they were truly offered that young, I think they have to they have to accept it in a heartbeat. I can't believe the offer's actually on the table, though. I I love Thad Young. Just you know, uh, I love him fallen into that starting five for the Pistons. I don't think Oslova or Morris or Tolliver are legit starting power forwards. Dude, that'd be great for the Pistons. That seems crazy they would turn that down. And I guess unless they think he might get in Drummond's way in the key. Yeah, and the way we had mentioned Stanley Johnson earlier, the way Stanley Johnson um, kind of dominates the ball when he does come off the bench, there's not as much of a need for Brandon Jennings um, as I thought there might be. Like, they don't need that guy off the bench because they have enough other pieces. So, and getting someone like that young, if, if you if you keep Ilyasova, um, that's another valuable piece that can come off the bench. Um, I think it just makes him a lot deeper. I think if, if the offer's on the table, the Pistons should do it. Well, here's what I'm trying to understand with this deal. I think, obviously, I think the Pistons would, would really bode well here. And Brooklyn does need a point guard because they're devoid of really talent whatsoever, you know, yeah, in general. Um, but the, the, my only problem with that is Brooklyn would need to know and get agreement from Jennings that he was going to sign because he's yeah. he's on an expiring contract. He, he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. So the only way that deal works is if Jennings says, yes, I will be signing with you. And it could be good for Jennings, a new start in a big market, kind of maybe you could say Young, starting Young's things over. Up for three years, I think, right? I'm looking, I'm trying to look up his contract. Yep. That sounds right. Four yeah, years. and he has a player option for 2018-19. It's it's not a bad contract. He's making 11 million this year and that player option is 13 million. And so for a player of his caliber with the cap going up, it is a uh, a very player-friendly deal. And just to put in perspective Marquise Mor- Markeith Morris's deal, he's 5 million dollars cheaper than Thad Young, and I think that Markeith Morris is perhaps just as valuable if not yes, more valuable. I, I would Young. be thrilled if if the Pistons could get Markeith Morris. I would not <laughs> complain about that. Um with the Jennings thing, I actually don't think it would be hard to convince him to resign because all they have to do is promise him the starting job. Um, yeah. He's he's actually he was relatively and that's a given if he goes to Brooklyn. Exactly, and he he's not. I don't think he's going to be signed as the starter anywhere else in the NBA. I don't think there's going to be an open point guard job for him. He signed at a relative discount um, the last time when the Pistons signed him. It was 24 mil over three years. If you're paying this guy eight or nine million dollars a year that's going to be enough especially if you're promising them that starting job that's a really yeah that's a really interesting spot so we talked about um with markeith morris his value was so low because this everyone knew the suns wanted to trade him and so the trade offers they got they were low-balled because they knew they wanted to get out of town 
the interesting thing about this Jennings thing where, you know, how do the Pistons get off asking more than Thad Young? Well, it works because he's going to be their point guard of the future. It's not a case where the Jennings would be coming, going to contender just for the rest of the year. And so it's, it's a weird scenario where the Pistons actually do uh, have a little to work with. And Stan Van Gundy's still out there flatly denying. He, he flatly denies the Thad Young deal, says they would never do that, um, says they're not shopping Brandon Jennings around. I find that hard to believe, but he, he's playing the game. Now, what about now the Sixers desperately need a point guard and they're shopping, you know, uh, one assumes they're shopping their bigs. The problem is with Drummond, do any of those Sixers bigs, you know, none of them seem like a good power forward to play alongside Drummond. No, I don't think so. No, and I, I also don't think the Sixers would move um, either Okafor or Nerlens. If they, if maybe, maybe Nerlens, but the, not for a guy like Brandon Jennings. I think they need. Um, well, the a, reason they're making the deals is they say they all play. Uh, they even talk about making the deals is they say, look, these guys are all centers. None of them are. We haven't figured out how. Looks like none of these three can play power forward alongside a real center. I mean. I, I think they're, they're going to move somebody. Jennings, uh, maybe not now, but no. Yeah, I think you probably do it uh, before the before the draft. Um, Jennings is only twenty six. He's still got a few good years in him where you could argue prime years. Um, but I think the Sixers would be looking at. A, a much younger option, someone like an Alfred Payton, or that's just a random name I'm throwing out there, yeah. but it's going to be a younger option that they would want to build around. Yeah, um, I'm still I'm still on the table. I think Jabari Parker for Nerlens Noel makes a whole lot of sense from both parties. We'll see. I think uh, me and Waylon have talked about this quite a bit, and we both think that either Noel Okafor or um, Joel Embiid will be moved by this time next year, essentially next year's trade deadline. One of the three. You have to. All three yeah. of them can't play together. And you have, I mean, you know, you, you got valuable assets. It's it's time to move them around, and I, I think that'll happen. Before the draft, I, they're, they're not before, before the draft. draft. Yeah, the, the Sixers are not the type of team who make uh, in-season move. Just hey, they're, because new, they're they're a new team. Jerry Colangelo, Mike D'Antoni, things are changing. Yeah, but they'll want to trade Nerland. Still want to get like a top ten pick in return when they make the trade, and that's only going to happen right before the draft. Okay, fair enough. A couple more. We won't spend as much time as we did on Jennings because I think Jennings is is one of the more realistic trade options out there. Dwight Howard can. What teams could he even go to? I, I think that the list of teams that would even be interested in Dwight Howard is, you know, two, three. It, it, we're not talking yeah. about 10 years and, ago. And they, and, and as with every rumor, they brought up Boston, and everyone up here just went nuts, screaming, no, do not. You know, I would want to deal any of the Boston Celtic assets for Howard. I, the guy won't I don't think he's going to Boston. He's got back problems. I don't think he's going anywhere. And plus... You know, it's a rental because he's going to do he's going to isn't he take isn't it assumed he's taking his player option to go free agent again this winter. I just don't want anything to do with him. And when is the last time he won? You know, I just wouldn't want to touch him with a 10 foot pole. Well, Ten years ago, 2008, is when he put the team on his back. Um, but that back is kind of broken down now. He, The reason why I think he's actually an attractive trade piece is because he's a rental. Um, you won't have to give up as much for him. You don't have to commit to him beyond this season. So if you have a team that wants to make a push, I like, for instance, in the Eastern Conference, I think there are teams that could push the Cleveland Cavs if they acquire someone like Dwight Howard. What about Toronto? Toronto yeah. um, maybe Boston. Uh, Toronto's so, a good... Yeah, Toronto's a nice idea. I just don't see Howard being a guy 
who shows up halfway into the season or later and figures out how to play well in a different system. I see him being a guy who bitches, uses his back as an excuse when he's pissed that he's not in the rotation like he wants to be. He just seems like a nightmare fit anywhere, though I do agree. Obviously, as we talked about, Toronto does need some, some bigs. I believe Dwight Howard would fit almost any system. He's a big man. All he has to do is catch the ball and dunk it, rebound, play defense. Um, the injury concerns are legit, but even I, I mean... Do you think he gives a shit, though? Do you think no, he... no, but he might give a shit <laughs> enough to play hard for you for, for 30 games in the playoffs. And with, with some of these teams we're talking about, like Toronto or Boston, he is absolutely an upgrade for them and will make them a better team this season. If it, if the cost isn't too high, Boston has so many damn draft picks that if all you have to do is give up a draft pick and somebody who's like the ninth man on your roster, do it. Absolutely do it. I don't, th- I don't think, I don't think Ainge is playing for this year. I, I just, you know, it, it's wonderful how much, you know, they've won seven of their last eight. They're still exceeding expectations, but I still don't think Ainge is playing for this year. Unless, like you said, if they can, you know, why Houston would take a bunch of second round picks or badly protected picks for it. No, it'd be a first round. It'd be a first round pick. Yeah. I, I don't think they do it. I don't think Ainge does that. He'd rather just draft guys. Well, have fun being, if he doesn't start making moves like that, have fun being in this constant 45-win, um, half-rebuild mode for the next five years. They're not, I'm telling you, Boston's not going to take Howard. I don't think they should. I mean, they already have a turntable in the front court as it is. They need to figure out which guys they want to solidify their front court rotation with. This way they can get out of that. They can have a legit. They have a huge upgrade over their current front court players. Yeah, the thing that I can't. I think when you look at when you look at the hit or miss record of first round picks, I think Ainge just likes the math of saying, you know, if I've got four good ones, one of those guys is going to be a superstar. I don't know which. You know, we've made good picks. We've made bad picks. I, I think of some of those terrible Minnesota Timberwolves drafts. Um, where it doesn't hurt to have a, a multiple darts to be able to throw. Yeah, I'm always on the train of if I can take, if I can find a player who I know, you know, has a couple years in the league, I know exactly who he is. I'm going to take a surefire bet over promise and hope any day. So if I'm the Celtics, I I move those picks and try to acquire or piece together a team that can contend. And don't look now, but the Celtics have kind of separated themselves from the pack. They are the four seed right now, tied right now with the Atlanta Hawks, 29 and 22. They've won some really good games of late and and they're trending upward. And I want you to talk about Greg Monroe because there's a little talks and some whispers out there about him moving away and separating from Milwaukee. Hasn't even been there a full year yet. Well, Shannon and I disagreed on this, but I've hated the Monroe signing from day one because I just think that team desperately needs shooters. They already have tremendous athleticism, a slow plodding lane clogger like Monroe. I'm just not a fan of, and uh, I think in today's NBA, you're able to have outside shooting and they don't have any outside shooting other than Middleton. Um, I don't know if they'll trade him or not. That would be a big admission of making a mistake, uh, you know, so many months after signing him to a multi-year deal. But I do think it shows that maybe they, too, realize they need outside shooting. Monroe's a weird guy. The the contract they signed him to is actually a decent contract. It's going to be even better once the salary cap goes up. Um, So I think the, the trick is finding a team that, 
he fits well um, from a personnel standpoint and from a system standpoint because I do think he could still be a quality player. He's playing well this year, doing well. He's doing what he does, you know, 16, 17 points, 9, 10 rebounds. He can do that for any team. It's finding a team that has the right system that fits him. It, Here's the funny thing. Shannon, not a great rim protector, though. So. No, he's, no horrible he's terrible. Rim. That's, he's that's why Milwaukee wants to get rid of him. Zaza Pachulia was actually a better fit for this team than, than Monroe. But the funny thing is, as a Piston fan, you know, when has he ever been a good fit on any team? When he was playing with his Detroit teams, when Drummond came along, you know, it just didn't work out. That's why they got rid of him. Uh, when does his type of play, a bad rim protector, a lane clogger, someone who just kind of chucks the ball up at the rim when he does get it, what system does he fit into? My, my counter to that would be look at Zach Randolph and look at what he's been able to do in Memphis for the past eight, nine years, however long it's been. I think they're the exact same type of player. Zach Randolph's a better shooter. He, he can knock down those 15 footers, mm-hmm. but they're the exact type of same type of player. You'd classify them like put them in the same, same group type. Sure. And Randolph's been on a successful team for the better part of a decade. There are teams that would fit. And it would work well. I mean, you could even argue that like well, Monroe, a t- Monroe did not a great power forward. You know, that didn't work with Detroit. And if, if you're making this, just if you're going to make the Zach Randolph comparison, you're going to move him to the four. He's certainly not a stretch four. I don't know. I don't know where he fits in today's NBA. Yeah, he's he's in the same category as an Al Jefferson type, I would say, where it's kind of a dying breed. Back down defender to the rim, you know back up your man and, and and throw it up and try to hope for a layup and you know use your post moves but we're not seeing that in today's nba the successful teams aren't doing that whatsoever I mean, ideally if you pair him with a front court mate it's it's going to be someone who can it, it would be someone like i think anthony he, davis i mean it's going to be someone who can block shots and and has a perimeter game um ideally and uh, are there many of those guys no oh, yeah no they're I, not i think the three of us could play well next to anthony um, so, you know that's that's probably right there's there I think Monroe would give plenty of front courts in the NBA an upgrade. Mm-hmm. And if I think I think he'd be good on because I, I agree with you. He he will be an upgrade for somebody, but it just seems like over the last few years he hasn't fit into any system, so it's hard for to, for us to really terse it out. Somebody like the Portland Trailblazers would love to have him because they're already you know not a great defensive team to begin with. Might as well sure. um, give defenses something else to look out for besides those two guards in the back. You know, I think you guys are both you guys are both in Milwaukee. What what do you think the Bucks are thinking uh, as they head to this deadline? What what are, what are the rumors of what management wants to do. I think MCW, Jared Bayless, and Greg Monroe are kind of your top three build people to go out the door. OJ Mayo is also one who would fit really well on a championship contender right now off the bench, eighth man off the bench, something like that. Giannis is reportedly the only guy who's untouchable. Um, they would move anyone else for long-term value or long-term prospects. Um, I, I think they move. I think they try to move MCW. I think they try to move Greg Monroe. I think there's going to be takers for both players. Um, it's just a matter of can they get enough in return where it makes sense. With Monroe, they might give him away just to get out of the contract, and I wouldn't fault them for that. I do believe I'm going to stick with this. You've got teams like Indiana. I think Monroe would actually be a good fit with Miles Turner. That would be a good front court pair. Miles Turner plays that stretch four. He's going to be. He's already hitting long twos. He's going to be. He's going to be able to knock down threes in the future and he's a great shot blocker 
So, guys, I'm thinking of starting my own website. Uh, the name of the website or the theme is What Color Is My Hair? Ginger Snaps. Ginger Snaps. Gingersnaps.com. Um, I'm actually going to go over to Wix. It's just it's going to be a very simple website. I'm going to create it myself. Uh, what Color Is My Hair? And I'm going to give how many options do you think I should give? And Fuego? Just one. one Just one? <laughs> uh, well, I tell you what. Uh, I'm no good at creating websites. I've never done it myself, but I have checked out Wix, and it's pretty easy. So I think I might pop this website up. Uh, Wix.com, of course, is used by more than 75 million people worldwide, and it makes it easy to get your website live today. Um, if you need to get the word out about your business, your hair color, whatever you need to do, lots of things like the drag-and-drop editor, it's all pretty easy to do. Of course, when you're running your own business, if you're a small business, owner, you don't have enough time, you're too busy, you're too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, all stuff like that. Don't worry, Wix.com has you covered. It's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. I promise you, the result is truly stunning. Uh, Also, rotowire.com forward slash pod. You can go get 10 days to the website and check out some of the breaking news that we have on there. Um, Shannon, you talked about a little earlier. um, Or did you? Our lineup optimizer, did you talk about it? Or I guess we talked about it early before the pod. Um, you can go check out yesterday's optimal lineup for whatever site you're on. So if you're on DraftKings, you can go check out what was the best possible lineup. Uh, we were talking about um, two days ago. It was some just garbage lineup that ended up making sense because Curry and Westbrook went off. And then Etwan Moore, Tyler Zeller, CJ Miles were in the mix for that. So if you'd like to check that out, feel free to head over to rotowire.com forward slash pod and get 10 free days of access. The unstoppable Tyler Zeller. The reason why the Celtics <laughs> don't need to trade for front court help. Right. Someone's woken. The bearded giant. Tyler Zeller's garbage. Yeah. Sometimes uh, sometimes it goes quality that way. Bench, quality bench guy. And you know what? I will say he's been um, taking the high road every second about getting benched. And, you know, Guy, what's wonderful about the Celtics team is no one complains about minutes at all, and they all seem ready to go when Stephen calls on them. That's, but that's also why they don't have anyone who can take a shot the final three minutes of a of a game because they have to. None of them have a voice. They have to beat you in the first three and a half quarters because you're right. They get a little t- clenched. They get a little nervous, a little antsy, and no one's the man except for Isaiah Thomas. Whack it, you know, run around like crazy, get thrown anything out from anywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's, they, they do need a closer. I just don't think uh, Howard's that guy. All right, just a couple of pieces of breaking news, and then we'll move into our DFS picks here for DraftKings. Tim Duncan will remain out Friday. DeMarcus Cousins is listed as probable uh, today for Friday's slate of games, so we'll keep that out in mind. Like I said earlier, Manu Ginobili is out four to six weeks with that testicular injury, but if you go to Rotowire, it is a groin injury. Thank you very much. Uh, Jay Crowder is considered a game-time call for Friday's matchup with the Cavs. Uh, one last thing here. Um, um, really not that relevant whatsoever, but I'll say it anyways. Matthew Della Vadova with his hamstring has been ruled out for Friday's matchup with the Celtics. So if you're a Mo Williams believer, perhaps tonight would be the night. What do you think about that, Shannon? Perhaps not. Perhaps not indeed. I agree. Um, of course, we're going to be talking about DraftKings. You can use promo code ROTOHOOPS to enter a free contest entry today or to get your free contest entry today. We're going to start off like we always do at the point guard spots. And I can't believe my eyes, Shannon. You have D Rose here listed as your point guard option. Whoa. Can you please explain yourself? 
Well, the main reason DeRose is an option is because Jimmy Butler's questionable. Jimmy Butler, he, he sat out the Rose, uh, the Bulls' pass game, and Rose went off. He had 42.5 fantasy points, 21, 6, 9, 2 steals. He's going to get run like that again. He's going to have a high usage control of the ball if Jimmy Butler sits. So, and another good reason, terrible Nuggets defense too, brother. In, in, indeed, brother. So... Really, it's it's all about watching the Jimmy Butler news. If Butler sits, I'm plugging Rose into my lineup. I like it. Uh, I will say Derek Rose played against Denver earlier in the year. Uh, only got you 27 points on DraftKings, but for the reasons that Shannon just said, this will be different this time around. He was also he was three for 17 from the floor that game. That's not going to happen again. Those, those are like rare nights where people shoot that bad. It only happens a couple times a season. And 27 points really isn't terrible um, considering he had such a poor shooting night. And so if, if that's his base, if that's what we're working with, with yeah. Butler in the lineup, imagine how good, like you said, he could go off tonight. So a good pick there. Anybody that you're looking at on this point guard slate, Ken, anybody jump out to you? Well, it's more like who who we're worried about. Kemba Walker, uh, highly questionable. Sure. Rondo's probable. Um, I think Cleveland will do a good job shutting down Isaiah Thomas. Uh, so actually, I love the Rose pick. Love it. All right. We'll move on to shooting guard then. Um, this is one of those guys. We talked about it last week. He pretty much just don't ever erase him from our show notes. Victor Oladipo at shooting guard. Um, kind of moving back into that starters role. He's always been a DFS darling. I've always loved him from a fantasy perspective. Scott Skiles hasn't necessarily felt the same way about him, but that's where <laughs> the real world and the fantasy world d- diverge. He's coming off back-to-back monster games, 42 fantasy points and 57 fantasy points um, against OKC, 37, seven rebounds, four assists, just did a little bit of everything. He's He played the Clippers once earlier this season and had 45 fantasy points. It was the same thing with OKC. I plugged him in against OKC. He had a monster game against them earlier in the year as well, and I'm looking for him to repeat that success. He's $6,900. Not a great price, but I just don't love the other shooting guard options tonight. Jimmy Butler's questionable. James Harden's not on the slate. So you're looking at, I mean, Monte Ellis, Chris Middleton, Brad Beal, Dwayne Wade. I'll go with Oladipo. I might go cheap with Danny Green. Coming off a decent game against New Orleans and playing a pretty pretty bad Dallas uh, backcourt defense. You know, obviously it's all or nothing with Green, but he might be an interesting game if you want to spend big elsewhere. He's only 4,600. Yeah, 4,600. Let me just say one thing about the shooting guard slate on the whole this this entire season. I've hated it. I've had to use Jimmy Butler more often than not in all my lineups, and it's worked out well for me. But, I mean, even if you look at tonight's slate, I think tonight's slate is fairly representative of what we've seen all season, excluding Harden, like you said, Shannon. $8,600 for Butler. Your next available highest-priced option is $7,200 Wade, and and that's it. It's just kind of of middle-of-the-road guys, and you're just, like, piecemealing stuff together. Rodney Hood, Will Barton have been some some kind of guys I've, I've taken a look at but on the whole the people registered as, as shooting guards to, uh, this year uh, just haven't appreciated it yeah I mean it, it's tough you either go big with the James Harden um, DeMar DeRose and Jimmy Butler uh, Eric Bledsoe would yeah, be in the mix right. if he were healthy um, or it, it, it's tough I mean for tonight one of the cheap guys who we haven't mentioned yet is Etwan Moore he's only 4200 if Jimmy Butler sits Moore could get another start he's coming off a big 41 point fantasy outing so that's an option 
Looks like we have some technical difficulties with Ken. So he's dropped out for the rest of the pod, but Shannon will finish up strong here. Looking at small forward, you have Nick Batum. Um, and his price, a uh, pretty good price here. But if you're looking around, you got a lot of options. So you have Paul Georgia, $8,400. Leonard, $7,800. Gordon Hayward, $7,400. What really jumps out to you about Batum? His price is just so far. He, he used to be at 7500 sometimes even a little bit higher. In the past month, he's dipped all the way down to 6300 I mean, it's because of bad play, injuries, but he's healthy now. He's back in the starting lineup. Miami's not that great against opposing small forwards. It's tough for me to pass on some guy who averages 33 fantasy points and is only 6300 There's very few values uh, of that stature available. So I'm going to go with Batum at small forward. There are some other options, but value-wise, I like him better than Parsons, Gallinari, Gay, all players who, who cost more right now. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is somebody that you're seeing pop up in a lot of lineups, a lot of winning lineups, uh, lineups in general. He's at $5,200. He's coming off that shoulder injury. When he came back, it was a bit of a surprise. His salary started out at $3,000, jumped up to $3,700, then was $4,500, and now his fourth game back, he's all the way to $5,200. Has he reached a point where he's not as valuable as he once was during those three games yet? No, it's still a good price. Fifty-two hundred's decent. I mean, he's averaging thirty-one fantasy points per game through those through, through those three outings. Um, the big part is actually the minutes played: thirty-four, twenty-eight, thirty-seven. Um, I'm amazed that he came back that quickly, yeah. and and really, I mean. When the injury occurred, everyone thought he was out for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were some there was some news about him returning to practice, everything else. But even if he was going to get get rolled back out, you expected it to be that slow roll where he's coming off the bench, playing a limited role for a few games. But that wasn't the case. He just got thrown back to the fire, and he's really rolling with it. Um, I don't expect many of the 42-point outings like we saw from him against the Lakers. Uh, granted, that was the Lakers, so that that kind of explains it there. But he's a good option. Um, he'll get you some defensive stats. He'll get some rebounds. Not a big scorer, but he'll be in that 25 to 35-point range on most nights. Do you have any reservations about using Kid Gilchrist and Batum considering they're on the same team and they play the same position somewhat? I know they start together. Batum on DraftKings is listed as a small forward, but he tends to start at shooting guard. But just in general, do you have reservations about starting two players on the same team? Let's put aside your Westbrooks, Durants, but two middle-tier guys like this. Is it possible for two middling guys to have breakout games and be worthwhile for you? It's possible, but in... In scenarios like tonight, it's a little bit tougher. It's Miami against Charlotte, and it's going to be one of the lower over-unders of the night. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to avoid. I like both of them for tonight. I'm fine plugging one or the one or the other in my lineup, but playing two guys from a game that's going to have such a low score total point total um, really does scare me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to limit myself to just one of the two. So of course, after saying that, which one are you going to go with? Originally, I had Batum in my lineup. Um, I'm still going to play him in, in some of my lineups, but I in my main DraftKings lineup, I have MKG. All right. Moving on to power forward. Got a couple of uh, oldies but goodies here again. Uh, Thad Young is just 
you never delete him off of this, and why not? He's he's always going to be stuck in that price range that you like so much. We talked about him being a trade candidate. I've always said, and I'll continue to say, I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league, and that really shows through on DraftKings pricing. Sixty two hundred bucks going up against a Sacramento team that gives up you know the most points in the league, one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Yeah, when Young was over seven thousand, I wasn't a big fan of using him. Um, now he's he's still only sixty two. And the matchup, the matchup is key here. Sacramento is one of the best teams to target against in DFS. And at home against Sacramento, I expect a big game. Young had 32 fancy points against him earlier this year. I'm looking for another solid outing from him. Yeah, most definitely. Pro tip about Sacramento is they easily give up the most attempted and made three-pointers in the league. So if they have, you know, if you're facing somebody like a Ryan Anderson is going up against Sacramento, uh, somebody who really gets a lot of valuable, a lot of value from shooting threes, Sacramento is the best possible time to play them because they are just completely content with letting the opposing teams drop a bunch of threes. LaMarcus Aldridge is another option here you have at power forward. So those are two good options, but some of the options you're, you're foregoing here, Derek Favors, Porzingis, Nerlens Noel, Dirk Nowitzki, Chris Bosh, all in that similar price range. What sticks out about Aldridge going up against this Dallas team? Well, as you mentioned earlier, Tim Duncan's out again. Um, so that's that's a big part of it. Lamarcus is only 7,100. Um, it's, it's pretty fair value given his season-to-date production, about 31 fancy points. Um, but compared to his recent production, it's, it's a great value. Um, three of the past four games, he has topped 42 fantasy points, including a uh, game earlier this week against the Pelicans when he went off for 52 fantasy points. Uh, it just seems like he's kind of finding his groove, and I really, I'm going to ride that until he dips back down, um, especially with Duncan out. Yeah, and we've, we've kind of battled back and forth about Aldridge, but when Duncan's out, I think it's a whole other story. Um, you know, their offense is different, their defense is different, and they have to rely on him. So that's certainly a good play, a low $7,000. I can't really argue. At the center position, Miles Turner, $6,500. I'm a little surprised, and this is the case on a lot of sites, that his price hasn't jumped up higher, considering that, uh, let's see, you know, he's he's consistently getting in that 30-point range at $6,500. I guess that's a fair price on DraftKings, actually. What do you like about him going up against a veteran Atlanta front court? Yeah, the, the, he's only he's only top 40 points twice. Um, hasn't done it recently. I mean, he's coming off a 23-point fancy outing, so he's not like an automatic plug-in at 6500 I think it's pretty fair value given his re- recent production. Um, but I think the matchups well. I think, one, I think people are going to be off of him because of his latest game wasn't as good. His price keeps going up. Um, those are two reasons. But he also, he's played Atlanta once this year. He fared really well against him. He had 30 fantasy points in 26 minutes. Um, chucked up 17 shots in those 26 minutes. I just I think we're going to see high usage again from him. He's going to get lots of minutes. And it's a, not an ideal matchup, but he's shown it already this year that he can do well against that team. Yeah, most definitely. Funny enough, uh, Al Horford and Miles Turner are the exact same price, $6,500. Are you of the opinion that you think Turner is going to outperform Horford in terms of fantasy tonight? Well, I have them both in my draft okay, lineup, um, interestingly <laughs> enough. Uh, but I do I do like Turner more than Horford. Um, it's actually pretty amazing that they're the same price. I think Turner should be cheaper. Um, if Turner is cheaper on other sites, which he, he most likely is, I highly recommend him. 
Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so we broke down every single position here. Is there anybody left in your lineup that you'd like to touch on, or are you all good? The only guy we left out was uh, Emmanuel Moutier. Um, you know, it, it kind of depends on Jameer Nelson's uh, availability for tonight. Um, but Moutier's, Moutier's tough. Um, he's better on DraftKings than other sites because they don't penalize as much for, for turnovers. Um, but he's still pretty hit or miss. The one good thing about him that I like is he's almost always good for about 25 fantasy points. He gets, you know, he might, he might have a bad shooting night. The other night he went two for six, only scored four points, but he had eight assists. He had two steals and a block and he still managed 22 fantasy points. So if that's the baseline we're working with where he has a bad game and still manages 22 fantasy points, but he has the upside for 40, it's worth the risk to plug him in there once in a while. Yeah. It's funny. He's, you know, point guard, rookie point guards get exposed in this league. It's just how it works out. Um, but in terms of fantasy, he, he does give you a nice baseline, a nice floor to work with. $5,300, there's not a whole lot of risk there. If he was $6,500, then, of course, it's a, it's a far riskier option. But he, he gives you some wiggle room. Again, considering the average salary per player is 6200 bucks, he's well below that. So I, I like that option as well. I think his price is, is kind of settled into a good spot at this point in the year. Um, otherwise, that's going to do it for us. Um, like I said, Ken had some technical difficulties, dropped off the pod, but that's all right. We'll get him back next week. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.